Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome on in, everybody. Recapping uh, last night's action as we had Terrence Bud Crawford retain his WBO welterweight title with a 10th round TKO victory. Over Showtime, Sean Porter, corner, stopping it. His father, Kenny Porter, stopping it, uh, waving it as the referee was asking if he wanted to continue. Sean said that he did. He had taken two vicious knockdowns from Terrence Crawford, who really looked like he was, uh, you know, was 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 just building up the intensity as the fight was going. Um, but it, listen, it wasn't easy. I mean, Sean, Sean Porter did what... I think he does in every one of these fights, which is just put up such a valiant effort. He makes it a tough night of the office for everybody that he goes in there with. Um, you know, every time it looked like Sean, uh, that Terrence Crawford was getting a little bit comfortable, was starting to get the jab loose, you know, Sean Porter would get himself into uh, right into Terrence Crawford's kitchen. And it was uh, it was a tough back and forth between them. You know, the, each one of these guys uh, got headbutt. Each one of these guys got cut. So... It was, uh, it was, it was definitely earned the hard way for Terrence Crawford. There's no doubt about that. But man, he's a sicko. He's a sicko in there. It felt like every time that things got a little bit tough, or that Sean Porter, you know, got any piece on him, he just smiled. He went forward. He was trying to outstrength him in wrestling. Anytime that it got uh, with those dirty tactics, like he just never felt faith. And sometimes when you see those things in a boxing match, it seems like gamesmanship. Some, you know, it, it's trying to show your opponent that, you know, oh, you got me, but I'm really, you know, I'm trying to show that I'm not bothered. I didn't get that vibe from, from Bud. Like I, I felt like watching Terrence Crawford, like he legitimately was enjoying, I think a, a hard fight. I think he was enjoying the competition. I think he was enjoying Sean Porter bringing a little bit something to him. And I think he was enjoying figuring it out until he could uh, put him on the canvas. I thought that, you know, he was looking for that check hook all night. He was really trying to goad him into things. His hand looked fast. Uh, is uh, the 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 type of range that he has with those arms, even not being the tallest guy in the world, he can still get to you from such vicious angles and and such a such a great distance. And you know, Sean just has to lunge in there to to put himself in such a in such harm's way to get anything on Terrence Crawford. So. Uh, you know, shout out to Bud. He got it done. He got the everybody who said this is going to be the big showcase for him at welterweight. This is going to be the fight that you know will will solidify him. That he's not just some uh, product of publicity or whatever you want to say. And anybody who thought that you you silly 
because this guy just shows you Terrence Crawford is a chameleon in there. He can win so many different ways. He can adjust on the things on the fly. He can be patient with a game plan and, 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 and is really looking to dish out just serious, serious punishment every single time he steps in that ring. This is not a case of how can I outsmart you? How can I appoint you? It's really a case of how can I go in there and how can I destroy you? But also just take as little damage as possible as well. Um, tremendous performance from him. I think he solidified himself as, as the top welterweight tonight. If you didn't believe it, um, it's tough not to, it's tough not to accept that right now. Errol Spence was in the building. He walked out. That's a ship. That was a tough look for Errol Spence, man. That's a tough look for Errol Spence to be there and to be in the crowd and the cameras catch you. That's a ship leaving as soon as the, uh, as soon as the fight's over. You got to stick around for that. Antonio Tarver said it best. My guy, the magic man, um, where he said that you can't be in that position and just, and just walk out. Like you got to be there and start selling the fight. And it, you know, it's become a thing in boxing where it's like, none of these guys want to feel like they want to show that they want the fight. Because it shows either a, a, a sign of desperation or a sign of frustration or any of this stuff. I loved everything that Ter Terrence Crawford did two things tonight. Not only did he win the fight, but he won the post fight in saying these things like, you know, who looks like the number one in the division now? Crowd goes crazy for him. You know, maybe I'll go up to 154 and he could take his tail out of his butt and we could do it there. Basically saying, you guys know who I want. I want Errol Spence next. Bar none, mince no words about it. It was absolutely fantastic by Terrence Crawford in every which way. It's enough. It's enough already. The fight has to happen. You know, we've we we've we've kicked around this enough. We've done enough waiting around. We've danced around this enough. And now it's time to happen. There's no excuse for it. Errol Spence, you know, whatever, whatever things he was chasing, Manny Pacquiao, he was chasing Canelo Alvarez. All that stuff is out the window. Manny Pacquiao's president and Canelo's a cruiserweight. You got one thing, you got one responsibility right now to the fight fans, Errol Spence, and that is to go defend your welterweight titles against the other best welterweight on the planet. And we go and get this fight on, man. This fight's going to make a ton of dough. I think these guys will be tremendous. I think with other the money with all with uh, the machine behind them, they'll they'll make huge dough for this and and it, and it creates their own legacy. It creates their own stars. I like it more so than the idea of uh, either one of these guys going and fighting a Manny Pacquiao or, you know, Errol Spence fighting a Canelo Alvarez, which, you know, looked like it would end badly for him. And, and look, for Sean Porter, like, this was, uh, I thought he looked, you know, good too. I thought that he put up a good test. Man, his dad put up a, a, a rough, uh, rough post game. Dads, man, dads are brutally honest. You know, they, they, uh, they, they, they tell people what you uh, don't want them to hear. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to criticize anybody's parenting, but I just think that because he's also a coach, he's not just his parent, but you know, son just got his, uh, just got put on his ass twice. You stop the fight and you're doing it as some kind of a lesson. Kind of weird. Um, he was down on all the scorecards, but only by around probably about to be two. Um, and then one was, uh, was pretty lopsided, but two of those cards were within reach. Two of those cards were within reach. He caught, Terrence Crawford with a pretty nice right hand. Maybe he could have gotten him with something. So I don't necessarily think it was a bad stoppage by the father, 
but I would have, man, I would have held that stuff either in the holster or I would have saved it for like the post-fight press conference to blast my son's preparation or th- I don't know. I, I honestly think that in my opinion, Sean Porter could have the best preparation. He could be a couple years younger. You could put all the circumstances you want into it. And I think Terrence Crawford is going to have that performance probably 99 times out of a hundred, you know? And it was, uh, I, I just thought watching the fight the entire time, as much as I respect that rough and tumble approach from Sean Porter and, and man, he, he was even picking the spots a little bit better tonight. I just felt that everything that Terrence was hitting him with was just a little bit more vicious. Uh, it, it seemed, uh, it, it seemed to just have a little bit more snap to it. Cause he's catching it at the end of shots rather than rushing in and trying to make things happen. So there was very little risk in anything that, uh, that Terrence Crawford was going to have to eat back with things that he was throwing where you saw Sean, it was going to eventually catch up to him. It was eventually going to be, um, some, some, some serious bad news for him. I, I love that this performance though happens for Terrence Crawford, because you do have that common opponent. You do have. Sean and and I and I do believe this. Like I hope that I, I do think finishing in one is necessary. If he would have just wanted a, vi- uh, a decision, especially a close one, um, you know, you could go back and say, well, Sean, uh, you know, Errol Spence said the same thing. But you know, I really thought it was on Bud to to really deliver. And he said this in the lead up too. Everything's on the line for him. There's nothing really on the line for me. Everything was on the line for Sean Porter, and there was nothing really on the line for. Terrence Crawford and so he needed to not only have that exclamation point ending to this fight and get it the way that it did end but also demand what he's been what what people uh, have been craving to see in fighting Errol Spence Jr. and all check check both of those are there and I think in a lot of people's minds you know re-solidifying maybe in the uh the number one pound for pound rankings some people will still have Canelo number one um I don't have a, a huge grievance if you have Canelo number one because of uh, the kind of run that he's been on. But Terrence is right there. And if he beats Errol Spence, I think that would probably solidify him as number one. Um, and, I, and I just think that the thing that makes him special, Canelo, you know, Canelo's done some great things in moving up. And he's, and he's obviously really shown himself to, to, to grow as, as the weight classes grow. He feels like he's getting better. The intentions are getting worse in there. Um, He's got that violent streak in him, too. That's been fun to watch. But Terrence Crawford just has so many bags in his trick, uh, so many tricks in his bag when he goes into that into that ring. It's really like you're almost watching a guy who's just got different moves on the court, has just different you know pitches if he was on the mound, has different speeds if he was a quarterback. Like He's just got such an arsenal in there from switching stances to... The, uh, the 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 boxing finesse to the defense, how good it is, to how he can crank up the power, how he can crank up the intensity, um, the versatility that he's got. He's just got, he just feels like he's just got every every tool of the trade in there with him. So purely from a boxing perspective, um, I'd give Canelo the edge just because I think his resume is a little bit better and the names are a little bit brighter. But if you're just talking from a skills position, pound for pound, I don't think anybody touches this guy. I think he's the best out there. I really, really do. Um, and 
it, it, it's it's no disrespect on Canelo. I just think watching him, I'm just I just marvel at all of the things this guy can do, all the things that he seems like he's perfected, all of the strengths that he has. He is he's just so damn good, man. He's so damn good, and it just feels so pedestrian even coming up with something like that as a description because he just he just floors me. He floors me. So great performance from Terrence Crawford. Great call out of Errol Spence. Fight has to happen. Um, you know, we'll see what ends up coming from this, uh, this, this, uh, fallout of top rank being over, um, all that type of stuff. But I hope that it ends with whatever sides of the track this ends on. It ends with Terrence Crawford with a big payday taking on Errol Spence and, and, and really, I think solidifying all the respect. I just thought, um, yeah, all around, just Terrence was fantastic. I, I mean, they were, listen, they were, I definitely felt like the commentators were leaning heavily towards uh, Sean Porter on the broadcast. I think they were giving him a lot of credit. I don't know if that's because Sean is a peer. You know, he's also a commentator. Everybody loves Sean Porter. And you love that underdog mentality from him. I I, I thought it was close, but I didn't think that it was... I didn't think that Sean's close was like, I thought it was close enough to, to stay in the fight. I didn't really feel like it was close enough to win the fight. If that makes any sense. Like I thought that he put up a respectable performance. He certainly wasn't getting blown out by Terrence Crawford, but I didn't really feel like, I, I felt like every time that he hit it, even Terrence with anything good, I thought Terrence just liked it and wanted to keep coming back with something better. So, it's a credit to him that he was able to get some shots and, and certainly make Terrence Crawford work for it. You want that. You want a, a, a dog fight. You want Terrence Crawford to have to go earn it. But I don't think that it was one of these things where, um, you know, I, I didn't think Sean was winning the fight. And even some of those middle rounds, they were calling him swing rounds. I guess in my eyes, we're swinging towards Terrence Crawford. Um, that's just how it was rolling for me. But... Sean Porter's a dog, man. He's he's he goes out there and he tries to make these things tough. He certainly made it a lot tougher on Errol Spence, um, which is going to be that common thread. He said after the fight, "That's the man." You know, the, of, of everybody that I fought, that's the guy right there. He maybe thinks that he had an argument against Errol Spence. You know, I still think Errol Spence won that fight, but you know, there's no argument to be had with this one. No argument to be had with this one, and. Um, you know, hopefully him and you know him and his dad make up after this one because I imagine like he's gonna be like, "Hey, dad, would you calm down with that commentary afterwards." So great performance by Bud, awesome fight night, and uh, man, make him versus Errol Spence. Don't screw this up. Good Sunday morning, everybody, and welcome on in. It is Tobin's Fight Show here on Seven Ninety The Ticket. A lot of great guests coming up on today's program. A lot of great boxing guests coming up on today's program. As we have, I mean, boxing is so stacked over the next three weeks, and, and so many great things to get to. One of our favorites, George Ferocious Cambos, is going to join the show today as he is fighting Teofimo Lopez coming up next Saturday on the Zone. We will talk about. Uh, I mean, you guys know we've been covering this story like crazy. Fight was supposed to be down here. It was supposed to be down here in Miami. Teofimo Lopez ends up getting COVID. Um, you know, people wondering even if he really had COVID, then all the triller things, all, all the twists and turns that it took, the legalities and things like that. So we'll discuss all that with uh the Spartan himself, 
hailing from Australia with his Greek heritage. George Ferocious Cambosis joins the program a little bit later on. We will also speak with one of the baddest women on the planet, one of the best boxers on the planet, Amanda Serrano. She is a uh, a new uh, boxing relationship with uh, the, the problem child himself, Jake Paul, and she's going to be on that December 18th card coming up. And so we will speak with uh, Amanda Serrano about all that, her relationship with Jake Paul uh, professionally and how things have uh, developed for her there from a uh, notoriety standpoint. Brandon Figueroa is going to be uh, fighting in the title unification bout next week on Showtime. So you got yourself a little double header coming up next week. We will talk to Brandon Figueroa second time that we've had him on the program. And of course, Andre Ward. Uh, he stopped by our morning show this week, but he was so great on so many topics that I would figure I'd bring that to you guys as well. Uh, touched on a lot of things in addition to uh, the car that he was working on this weekend, but uh, gave some great thoughts on Canelo, gave some great thoughts on Frank Gore. So I think you guys will look forward to that as well. And also asked him if he uh, if he would ever come out of retirement to fight Canelo Alvarez. Speaking of Canelo, uh, he was the big story this week as far as the boxing world is concerned. He is uh, moving up to cruiserweight. He is fighting WBC champion Ulangu Makabu for the WBC cruiserweight championship of the world. I- I'm torn on this on a couple of things. You know, I-, I-, I do like the fact that Canelo is moving up. I do like the fact that he goes and, and is challenging himself and he's trying to uh you know go and, and and be this dynamic guy at five nine five eight on a you know five nine on a good day going up and wait and, and trying to take on the big guys i do think that he's actually been a really effective boxer the bigger that he has been um and i you know i'm not i, I think it's cool i do think that it's cool that he is taking on challenges like this and, and things like that so i'm not i'm not completely rats off a ship on canelo alvarez going up and wait and, and trying to win a belt in another weight class um, I know some people have compared this to the Rocky Fielding move where he's just kind of doing it against a, a guy who has a belt. I mean, a lot of people, you know, had to look up Makabu coming into this thing. I'm one of them. Haven't seen him fight a ton. You know, looking up his record and seeing that, you know, he's, you know, taking on guys. He's beating my guy Glenn Johnson back in the day. Uh, he has lost to Tony Bellew at cruiserweight when they were fighting for the WBC championship back in the day. Bellew was a great cruiserweight champion. Um, very, very entertaining. But you know, as far as Canelo, I think the thing I talked about last week when he got the win was I wanted to see Canelo go in here and, and take on, you know, some of the best in the middleweight division. I want to show that he is the man. I think this is his optimum weight class, the 160, 168 area. I don't think there's a need for him to go up to light heavyweight or cruiserweight. And if you're going to do it, you might as well just do it. I don't understand why you don't just go up to heavyweight at that point. If you're going to go fight something or see if you could uh, convince Usyk to come back down and, and, and something like that would be like unbelievable. But just to kind of do it against a guy nobody's really heard of, just to add um, things to your lineage, like he's done the ultimate lineage thing just now. He won the undisputed 168 championship, so I don't really think that winning this uh, this belt in this cruiserweight makes or breaks him. I think it's a cool thing to add. I'm not completely poo-pooing it, but it's not what I wanted him to do. What I wanted him to do was stick around, fight a Charlo, fight a, a fight a Demetrius Andrade, somebody like that, maybe Triple G again, and. That, to me, is where it goes. Now, I do think that a positive of this is, okay, Jamal Char- Jamal Charlo, Demetrius Andrade, all these people, Jaime Munguia, all these guys who maybe thought that they were going to get a chance at Canelo. Now they're not. Okay, let's step up. Let's go make some of this happen. Let's let's fight each other. Demetrius Andrade getting himself a win this past week against Quigley. Beautiful second-round finish for him. That's what everybody's been looking for, for him to go be a finisher, go finish the job. 
what will it take for him to maybe fight a guy like Charlo, a guy like Munguia, or maybe a Triple G? I don't know. I mean, I don't really know what else he has to do. I think that from this standpoint, these guys got to start making their own breaks. And, you know, for a guy like Charlo to to look at Demetrius Andrade and really scoff at fighting him, I think that's kind of garbage on his part. Like, you know, Jamal Charlo, I would definitely say, has a better resume than Demetrius Andrade, but it's not like overwhelmingly better. It's not like he has like this vast list of A-list wins over the last five years of his career where you're just like, yeah, this guy's no doubt. I think that he got the jump of people because he's more famous and maybe got a little bit more exposure early on. But, you know, I, I think that we haven't really seen him take on quality, quality guys maybe in about five years. I think that it's kind of been cherry picking around. Derev Chanko's pretty good, but he's always been a bit of a gatekeeper. Um, so for me, I would like to see those two go at it. I think that's been a fun rivalry. I think that uh, it, it makes a lot of sense if he could get Triple G. That'd be cool, too. Um, certainly not into this thing that Triple G is going in and about. I just think that Andre is, uh, is, is one where I would like to see what his skills are like against the elite of the elite. I, I don't understand how DAZN and every, every move that they have down there, I don't understand how they can't make that happen. It seems to me like uh, it should be very, very doable for them to do it. So... Hopefully, uh, it can get done and, and we can get to that. But uh, let's switch on over. Speaking of the PBC uh, landscape, Brendan Figueroa, he is going to be fighting coming up next week against Stephen Fulton for the uh, Unified Super Bantamweight Championship of the World. He has the WBC belt. Fulton has the WBO belt. So these guys will get it on on Showtime. Here's my conversation with Brandon Figueroa. Very excited to talk to our next guest yet again. He is the champ, Brandon Figueroa, who is going to be fighting in a unification title bout coming up next Saturday on Showtime against Stephen Fulton. Brandon, thanks so much for joining us again, man. Really appreciate it. Um, thank you for having me. How uh, how excited are you to finally get to this, man? There was a little bit of adversity. You had a COVID case right before it, uh, before you were scheduled to do this fight. So it's got to be exciting that it's finally here. A lot of anticipation for this one. Yes, sir. You know, relief and, you know, finally that, you know, we're closing the camp strong. I'm just happy, excited, ecstatic. I mean, you name it. I'm, I'm just so ready to get in the ring and, and you know, uh, show everyone my hard work, show everyone my skills and, and you know, go up against uh, Stephen Fulton, which is a great fighter. And, and just take it to him, take the fight to him and, and beat him. I imagine you were you know, pretty okay when you got it because you're doing a pretty quick turnaround, like, you know, doing it in November. Like, was your case okay? Did you have any ill effects uh, when you contracted COVID or was everything for the most part fine? I mean, yeah. I mean, the only thing I had was uh, congestion. Um, I recorded really quick, uh, thank God. And uh, my family too, you know, my family got COVID as well. Because my, my family is my team. But yeah, you know, we all recovered well. Um, we're back and we've been back stronger than ever and you know now we're just days away from my fight so we're nothing but excited and, and blessed just to be here and, and especially me you know just being uh, days away to you know show everyone that that you know um all the daughters that doubt me even in the last fight this fight doesn't matter to me i'm, I'm going there and and i'm gonna show everyone that that you know never doubt me again What's the what's the thing that's gotten to you the most though? Like, what is the the dumbest thing that you hear people say that you're like, the, the, this guy, the, these people don't know and they're gonna learn? Um, probably the dumbest that I ever heard was that I got COVID on purpose because I wanted I wanted to duck uh, Fulton, which is something like, why would I give? Why would I get 
COVID and give my family COVID just to opt out of a fight, which to me doesn't make sense. So the, the people were mad because I got COVID and, and I'm like, why would y'all be more mad than me when I'm the one that put in all the hard work for two months and a half, wasted, uh, uh, you know, financial money on my training camp, food, you know, et cetera. And it turns out that they're more mad than me when they're sitting on the couch, just hearing the news, expecting a fight. But at the end of the day, they don't know what a boxer goes through, especially in and out of the ring. So to me, that was just, that was just uh, uh, amazing to, to hear that, you know, I contracted COVID on purpose. That, that has to be a while. I couldn't even imagine as a, as one of the baddest men on the planet to hear something like that from a keyboard warrior, because you think about that. This is your, this is how you make a living. You've been doing this since yeah. you were a child. You rate you're raised in this. And to think that you would oh, all of a sudden I'm, the fight's closing in. What do we, Oh, let's use the pandemic as an excuse that that has to be infuriating. I, I, I can't even imagine. And I know you're not the only one. I heard that back with the down here in Miami, we we're supposed to have the Lopez versus Cambosis fight. And that yeah. was the same thing. And people were like, Oh, Tiafimo, he, he doesn't really have COVID. This is all a conspiracy. And, this is Tyson Fury, crazy thing. Like this is just the unfortunate world that we're in, where you know that this is uh, this is just something extra that fighters have to deal with. Uh, that yeah. On top of everything yeah. else that you guys do. Yeah, exactly. So uh, just just you hear that to me, I was just like, oh. <laughs> I mean, I, to me, I, I I never take I never take anything negative. You know, I just nah, whatever. I mean, I ignored them. They don't know what's going on. I went back home, recovered, came back. Uh, and now we're just two weeks away from closing another training camp strong. So, you know, we're just blessed. We're, we're thankful for God to be here. And I'm just excited, man. I mean, I don't know what to say. I just, yeah. I just can't wait to get in the ring. Is there uh is there anything that you feel you did? Like, how did you take advantage, I guess, of getting extra prep from this? Do you feel like you had to do anything different? Did you take advantage of it in any way? Or do you feel like you just reset in the right way and, and, and you're just uh, in perfect uh, condition going into this thing? Yeah, you know, I just had to reset, recover, and, you know, we came back a lot better, uh, uh, strong-minded, you know, just relief because we we were uh, we were so close to, to, to the fight last camp, and just to leave camp that way was just frustrating, um, but, you know, we just took a step back, recovered, and we came back, and with a, with a great mindset, positive mindset, and, uh, yeah, I mean, not, nothing to worry about. I mean, things happen, and we just have to pull, uh, pull through and push through. This was uh, was this fight at all ever a, a hard sell on you? Like a lot of the times, young fighters they're steered away. Don't do the unification bout yet. Let's protect the O. Let's let's keep it going a little bit. You you're you're a young man, a young fighter, and you're going right to the challenge immediately. You're not ducking anybody. It's you and Steven. You're both going, putting your belts on the line. Like why is this important to you that that you you're taking on the biggest challenges even at such a young age? I mean, because this is what boxing is about. You know, this is uh what i what I, all i wanted you know was to fight the best i didn't care who who i'm, I'm not scared of no one for first first off and uh you know just fighting the best to me is is what we what really matters um you know winning these belts reclaiming yourself as the best 122 pounder to me is something more uh uh special than and then you know protecting a no or or just you know just just riding the wave you know i, I don't like to do that i like to have challenging fights i like to test myself and and i like to make sure that i belong in a world-class level which i know i do so saturday next saturday y'all will see now is there any challenge for you this may seem ridiculous but thanksgiving is next week 
Do, do, are you, you're, you're fighting during the holidays. How much does this suck? Like, are you guys going to do anything afterwards? Like, what is the plan here? Are you doing any celebration post? Uh, like, because I imagine as, uh, as, as you, everybody's fattening their faces and all this type of stuff during the holiday, all the trimmings they got going on, that's got to be nutty as a boxer. You got to make weight on Friday. No, yeah. I mean, this is something that, you know, this is my, it's part of my job. There's something that I've been doing for years. You know, I missed a lot of holidays. I even miss on my birthday where I had the cake in front of me. I have, you know, they make food and I can't eat, you know, I can't eat, I can't enjoy anything of that. But, you know, I know that every sacrifice, you know, has its, its benefit after. So to me, uh, it's just a reward. Um, I told my family that regardless, even if we miss Thanksgiving, we're going to go back home and still have Thanksgiving because I love eat, I love to eat, I love Thanksgiving especially. So, I mean, it's nothing to worry about. I mean, it, it, this is just something that, you know, um, you know, I got bigger things on my plate to worry about. And then after, you know, we'll, we'll have to do all the fun stuff. So, I mean, like I said, is I've been sacrificing a lot. I know boxers go through a lot, which people don't understand, but you know, at the end of the day, this is part of our job and this is, this is what we're, what we're willing to sacrifice and what we're, we're willing to do for, for the victory. Catch them uh, coming up on Saturday, November 27th, a Showtime main event, a title unification bout. Brandon Figueroa is taking on Stephen Fulton as they are putting their belts on the line. Hey, man, good luck next week. Uh, a healthy fight week to you. We're looking forward to it. You always bring the action, and we're looking forward to this one. This sounds like an awesome one. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Uh, take care, Brandon. Thanks again to Brandon for the time. Really appreciate it from him. When we come back, George Ferocious Cambosis makes his return to the program as he is a little under a week out from taking on Teofimo Lopez for the World Lightweight Championship. Back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Uh, you guys know we've been following this fight for a long time, and that is the matchup between Teofimo Lopez and George Ferocious Cambosis. All the belts on the line, including this uh, WBC franchise belt. Look, I you know, this whole argument over who the WBC champion, we talk about this with George a little bit. Uh, to me, this is the undisputed championship. Devin Haney is a really great fighter. I look at him as championship quality, I but I, I look at... Tiafima Lopez as the man of this division right now and that George Cambos is the number one contender he's getting the crack at all the belts he will have a WBC belt around his waist when this uh, thing is all said and done uh, but we ask him about the whole Devin Haney thing we go down that path this has been a crazy road for him man between you know having this fight living in South Florida for a very very long time being halfway around the world he's from Australia they're under much more strict lockdown than we are down here he was away from his wife up until fight week when Tiafima Lopez contracted it. She was pregnant. He ends up having a baby in September and uh, is back home in Australia for most of this training camp. Did it a little bit differently than the original fight. But, um, you know, this thing has had so many twists and turns between changed dates, changed promoters, uh, possible lawsuits that are coming out of this thing. So he's had a lot of stress to deal with this on top of the fact that he is going in there with a guy who everybody uh, really regards as one of the best lightweights on the planet. So, Here's our conversation once again with George Ferocious Cambosis, probably his fourth, fifth time on the program as we've gotten to talk to him through many stages of his career. Here's our conversation with the man they call the Spartan, George Ferocious Cambosis. Very excited to talk to our next guest here on the show. He is back down here in South Florida, one of our adopted own. He is uh, getting ready for the biggest fight of his life again. George Ferocious Cambosis getting ready to take on Tiafimo Lopez on November 27th in New York at the Hulu Theater. Now on DAZN. Uh, look, man, it's good to have you back down here in South Florida. Welcome back. And uh, just all the, I mean, is it, is it, is it feel like 
I, I imagine it's got to just feel like a bit of a relief, like it's finally going to be here yet again after all the uh, the twists and turns with this thing. Yeah, look, it's it's a pleasure to be here. You know, I like the the adopted, you know, son of of South Florida. You know, who knows I'm my boy house down here and uh, relocate. That's how much I love it. But um, look, it's exciting, and you know, it's been a long a long journey, a roller coaster road, and um, you know, throughout it all, I've stayed very focused. You know, I've stayed, you know, on my grind. I've perfected my craft day in, day out. And look, we're here now. We're 10 days out. You know, I will be there. Let's hope he's there. And we've got to fight. Is it a... Can you just take me back to June, George? Because I remember, you know, we did the interview via Zoom. You know, you, me, uh, TFM and, uh, and, and Leroy. And he was very... Had a very big arrogance about the idea that, you know, I'm the one who got you paid. I gave this all to you. And for to, to get the news that he's not showing up to to fight night and that everything's kind of crumbled after all this talking about almost like him doing you a favor, like what went through your what like what went through your head when you got the news of that? Well look, he was never do, doing me any favors. You know, we all know the truth about everything. But um at the end of the day, you know, I'm the IBF mandatory. You don't want to fight me and you wanna go chase someone else, then go and uh, go and fight somebody else. Just release that bill and I would have fought the next contender. But I earned my shot. I beat the former champion in his hometown. You know, the guy who defended that belt six times, who was the number one in the WBO as well. So I learned my shot the hard way. I've had to, you know, literally crawl to get my uh, my recognition and to get to where I am today. So, um, you know, all that talk and he wasn't there. You know, that's, that's the funny bit. But, you know, I said it. I said it. You know, my father was next to me and I go, he looks sick. Something doesn't look right. Me, I'm fresh as. You know, I'm, I'm always very cautious and... Uh, you know, I, I know what I got to do throughout my preparation, but I said it. He doesn't look well. I don't know if it was the weight cut or what else it was. Obviously, we found that it was COVID. Um, yeah, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, I was very angry at that stage when I found out. But you know, I did hear he got he got very very sick. So I'm happy that he's a little bit better. But let's hope that's not an excuse when we step inside them ropes and I win this fight. Now you did uh, you did most of this camp back home. Uh, obviously, you were in South Florida for such a long time with uh, with all the shifting that went on with the original plan. Um, how was that? Was it was it because you you had a baby? Congratulations, becoming a, a dad yet again. Um, what was it? Did you find it you know a bit more relaxing for everything? Just to you know kind of be in your element, be home, enjoy the family life as along as as well as also all, all the uh, the the crazy preparation that you do for this. Yeah, look. Um the way this preparation, it's been a one big preparation. So, you know, the four months was here. I went back home and done the next, you know, three months or whatever it was, you know, with my Australian coach, Mick Ackaway. Um, great sparring. Lenny Zappavigno's got a massive name here. A few other really good guys as well. You know, the preparation's been fantastic. And then obviously we flew over here um, and continued the preparation and sharpening everything up. You know, we, we are ready. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, where we done it, we could have done it all in, in Antarctica if we wanted to. Um, you know, the, the hard work and the, and the love I have for the sport and what I put my body through doesn't change. So um, it's been great, you know, to be there for the birth of my child was even more motivation for me. And, um, you know, we are fully prepared for the fight and uh, to win this fight. Yeah, you, you always say, like, you never stop training. Like, you're always constantly going. There's a thought, because you're still a very young man. Like, you're a young fighter. You're still very, you know... 19 fights is a great record but it's not like you know the the you still got a long way to go and a lot of great things to do in your boxing career have you been able to take all of this time of preparation do you feel yourself still becoming a better fighter even though they haven't been necessarily you know pro fights but i'm sure you've been doing crazy sparring all these things just to improve yeah 100 percent. you know i when i went back home you know 
I said, I'm going to get better and better. Every day I'm going to get better and better. While he's enjoying himself, while he's taking time off, I got better and better. And that's why I am a better fighter than what I was June 19th. I was still going to beat his ass June 19th, but now I'm going to double beat it. Um, I've just, you know, the way I am, that tunnel vision is unbreakable. You know, when the fight got postponed and he got COVID, I went and trained and I didn't stop. You know, people were seeing me at the hotel in my gym gear. They go, what are you doing? The fight's postponed. I go, what? I still got a fight to win. Yeah, this might take a bit of time, but this is war and war takes a lot of time. You know, talk about the, the birth of my child. You know, on the same day, my grandfather passed away a couple of hours later. What yeah. did I do that night? Anyone else would have, you know, done nothing. I trained that night and I haven't stopped since since that date as well. So um, that's the kind of fight I, I am. I'm, I'm unbreakable. My tunnel vision is too strong and I've really left no stone unturned, you know, in this fight. When I step inside them ropes, I know that there's nothing, you know, left behind. I, I am fully prepared and ready to uh, execute and win this fight. You know, no matter what fight we've gotten ready for, you've always had that mentality. Um, but did this one have any more challenges as far as like just uh you know t- challenging your mental strength or did you did it just get i guess uh did it, did it just fortify what you've thought all this time that you've trained yourself for the tough moments if anything like this has come have like you've been able to show yourself good i was mentally ready for all this or whether actually was this definitely like maybe the hardest run of your professional career just because of all the adversity nah, I guess you'd nah, call I'm, it? I'm very strong mentally i'm very strong physically i'm always in 110 percent you know prepared to to throw down any time but uh mentally i'm unbreakable so whatever whatever came whatever issues that we had dates you know postponements changes uh legal issues i've got a great team i'll let them handle that my business is to prepare the best of my ability and be inside them ropes and win win fights so um no i'm too mentally strong how excited are you to be on DAZN? DAZN's one of the biggest names in boxing right now. They've obviously taken over the sport. You guys are now on them. Uh, how excited are you for that? Look, super excited. Eddie Hearn and Matrim and DAZN, they do an unbelievable job, and uh, everything is, is super professional. Um, it's exciting because I know I'm going to have my biggest win you know, on such a professional outfit. Um, look, I had my biggest win against Lee Selby on DAZN and obviously uh, on Matrim and Eddie Hearn promoting. Um, this time, it's, it's, it's extra special, you know, being... Uh, such a big fight and the stakes are so high so it's great i'm looking forward to it and i know they've got a lot planned um and look they're going to make it memorable memorable and i'm going to make it very memorable it's going to be a big couple of weeks on them for the division two because devin haney's fighting the next week he's fighting jojo diaz um you come out with the win he comes out with the win is that is that a fight that intrigues you yeah 100 percent um look we've uh, we've been messaging with each other and uh you know he's a good guy and i'm sure he has the same respect for me but you know we're here to handle business like we said, and, uh, you know, I'll have everything. He will have uh, his belt as well. And, you know, we make a a massive, you know, undisputed title fight. You know, I know everyone's always confused about undisputed, unified. I don't get mixed up too much in that. But obviously with a fight between myself and him, we could say this is the proper, you know, there's no uh, double minds. Yeah, it is. It is nutty with all the belts because, like, I'll even see on YouTube comments like, this isn't for the undisputed title. I'm like... I don't know, man. I see everybody with all the belts there. This looks like it's yeah, it's look, pretty fortified to me. But the idea that you guys would be in there again, obviously people would be pretty pumped about that. The way I look at it, if, if there was no belts on the line, but there was a WBC franchise belt on the line, would that be considered a world title fight? Yes. So that is a world title. And to become undisputed, you need to have four belts. doesn't matter if there's another belt someone else has. You know, that's, that's great. It's more, more opportunities in the division. So, look. I say it's undisputed, but you know whatever people say, that's that's 
doesn't bother it's me at the end of the day. No matter what. Yeah, no matter what, it's good. And at, at the end of the day, it's at the point where, yeah, the belt's beautiful. That's the bonus. Um, it's about me and him, me and him fighting and taking that scalp. You know, this is a war. Um, you know, I, I can't wait. I'm very excited for this fight. And, you know, the way I look at it, it's war. And I was there June 19th. So if we go back to the olden days and I rock up on the land ready to fight and he ain't there, who's the winner? So really, in my head, I'm already the champion. And I feel like this is the rematch now. How uh, how how personal, I guess, is the fight because of all this stuff with him? Like you say, you would fight him for no belts. You know, the money doesn't matter. But the idea of just beating Tiafima Lopez, how much do you just want to do it because uh, he's pissed you off this whole time? Like it's been... it's no, been. It's, he hasn't pissed me off. You know, he's just these little mistakes that he's made. But that's that's him and that's, you know, being a young kid, you make their mistakes. You know, you're caught up in the bright lights. But I'm cool, calm, collected. Really, this is not personal for me. This is business. Um you know, I've seen him say, this is personal, I'm angry, I'm angry. Okay, bring your anger to the fight. I am very relaxed. I am very cool, calm, collected. And, uh, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I know the preparation I've had. I know the, the condition I am in, physically and mentally. And I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, I just want him there, obviously, next week. I want to get a couple phones in here before we get you out of here. So, big news down here in Miami is Miami Hurricanes legend Frank Gore is going to be stepping into the boxing ring. Now, he is trained at your gym, at the Sweatbox Gym. Have you ever seen Frank train? If so, uh, like what what do you think we're getting here with the legend of Frank Gore? Because I'm very excited about seeing... I, I know all the celebrity boxing gets a little bit wacky, but but Frank is beloved down here. So uh, have you ever gotten a chance to see him work out, uh, box? Like, What do you think we're getting here when we see Frank Gore against uh, NBA all-star Darren Williams? Yeah, look, I'm always in the gym when uh, Frank Sir as well actually was watching his sparring on Saturday. And uh, man, the guy is sharp. For a big guy, he moves unbelievable. He's got a fantastic jab. And um, he's sparring some good guys too. He's sparring real fighters, guys that are trying to take his head off. And he's landing his shots too. So um, I gave him a few tips after sparring. He, he was asking a few questions. And um, I gave him my input, a couple of tips from, from my side. And you know, I'm looking forward to it, man. I, I'm confident he's going to win this fight. And he will, he will win his fight. And uh, you know, like I said, you know, it will be easier than what you think. Um, but... It's great to see. It's great to see, and he's, he's an athlete. You know? But like you said as well, he's been the top at NFL. Now he's starting again in boxing. It's a whole different you know, concept. But you, know, you can see the fundamentals. You can see everything, the movement, the jabs, the, the body shots, the, you know, the right hands. You know, he's, he's a good fighter. What, what, do, uh, what are the professional athletes that you come across don't they realize is so tough about boxing? Like guys who, any, any who it may be, uh, just professional athletes who you come across, like, man, I can't believe that this is something you do to make a living. Look, boxing is so raw. Boxing is like, you know, you gotta, you got two guys, you know, trying to take each other's head off. And for the certain amount of time, you know, you got to be unbelievable conditioned to you know not get fatigued and then have that guy trying to land more shots on you because you can't defend yourself anymore um you know you got no 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 you got your team but you don't have another you know 12 or, or 13 players or 20 players you know like a team sport say i'm injured i'm hurt sub me you know this is you know you'll get hurt you will take shots but it's that that willpower inside you that says okay you got me but i'm still here i'm still standing that's what a lot of guys don't understand. And, you know, there's different athletes that come in. Um, they take a few shots. They say, well, this ain't for me. This ain't for me. I'll go back to doing what I'm doing and making the money. But, uh, you know, you go back to Frank, you know, he loves it. He actually loves it. And that's why he's so adamant and wants to learn and wants to ask questions because he actually loves the sport. 
um, and he wants to do good in sports. So, you know, it, it's it's a sport like no other. You know, it, it really is. So Canelo came out. It came out this week that he's going to probably go up to cruiserweight. Um, so now not only people talk about cruiserweight, but this ain't even like, oh, maybe we'll see Canelo at heavyweight. I don't know if that's going to happen. That sounds crazy to me because of uh, all all he's done. But he is, you know, one of the best guys on the planet. George first Cambosis, what is the biggest weight class you think you could be an elite fighter at? Like, if if you if you said you gave me the proper time, the proper training, what is the the biggest weight class you think you could be a champion at? I think uh, a welterweight is is as far as I can go, um, you know, physically, and you know these guys are big. These guys take you know your shots, so you need to use a different aspect, a bit like Manny Pacquiao, use that speed, use that movement, frustrate them. Pick them, pick them off, and brutally beat, beat them down. So I believe with my speed and explosive shots, and as I would come up, you know, with my movement and control that speed, you know, I'd be a, a very dangerous fighter at that weight and can win a world title at that weight. But for me, I'm very comfortable at 135. I make the weight very easy. You know, I can even go down to 130 if I wanted to. I can play around and go capture a title at 130 and come all the way back up to 140. I got the kind of build that can, you know, go down or come up. And it depends where where I am in uh, in a fight and where I want to obviously put the size or drop the weight. So you know, I got a lot of options, you know, a lot of, a lot of things. But at the moment, I got one focus, and that's cleaning out the 135 division. And that will be in 10 days. It's coming up November 27th on DAZN. You guys can watch George Ferocious Cambosis go up against Teofimo Lopez. You don't care that the world uh, the odds are stacked against you. You don't care about all the stuff that you've had to go through. What is the world going to learn about George Ferocious Cambosis on November 27th? They're going to see the best uh, lightweight in the world. They're going to see uh, the emperor that just cleaned up everything, came over and, and took everything. You know, so doesn't I, I don't get uh, too focused on the odds. I don't get too focused on what people you know say and what what they believe. I know what I believe, and I know what what the way I've prepared to win this fight. So. Bring it on. You've ended it all with grace, man. So, uh, listen, congratulations again. That's finally coming up for you. I'm very much looking forward to this matchup again. November 27th on zone. Everybody go check it out. It's going to be a hell of a show. And, George, enjoy your short stint down here in South Florida before you head up out to New York, man. You know, enjoy the sunshine and all that. And we love having you down here. I appreciate it, man. This is like home. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're super excited. We are ready for, for war. And, uh, you know, myself and my whole team, you know, we love it down here and we are ready. We, we have prepared. Thanks again to George for the time. We really, really appreciate it. We come back. Amanda Serrano, she is going to be in action coming up on the Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury card. She is in the co-main event. She is now under the promotional banner of MVP Promotions, which is owned by Jake Paul. We talked to her about that. We talked to her about a lot of things as far as the boxing scene is concerned and her upcoming bout on December 18th. Amanda Serrano joins us next. Welcome back, everybody. It is Tobin's Fight Show here. Very uh, guest-packed shows. We did a lot of interviews uh, in the lead-up. It's been a very, very busy time in boxing. we got a lot more coming up as well. Uh, as, as the weeks go on, a lot of people uh, looking to get their uh, their fight cards out there. Um, but this one is uh, very exciting. I thought this was, was going to be down here in Miami. I thought we were going to get Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. As uh, My wife and I, big Love Island fans. We're big fans of Tommy Fury. We liked uh, that show, and now... He is going to be taking on the guy who I would say is probably the most hated man in combat sports right now, and that is Jake Paul. But somebody who knows another side to Jake Paul, besides the uh, the trolling, besides uh, all that stuff, is Amanda Serrano. And Jake Paul is doing a cool thing where he is uh, giving her a very big platform and co-main eventing her, co-main eventer on the last fight card, and now doing that again here with uh, his upcoming fight against Tommy Fury, taking on Miriam Gutierrez. Amanda Serrano who has won uh, belts in many, many weight classes. 
She is uh, one of the best boxers on the planet. And I uh, got a chance to speak with her this week in the lead-up to her fight against Miriam Gutierrez, which is going to be on December 18th, live in Tampa Bay. And we talked to Amanda Serrano. Many things about her career, about the partnership with Jake Paul, all that and more. Here's our conversation with Amanda Serrano. Coming up on December 18th on Showtime Pay-Per-View, you have Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury. But on that card, one of the baddest women on the planet, one of the best boxers on the planet, Amanda Serrano. She is going to be fighting on this card as well against Miriam Gutierrez. Amanda, thank you so much for giving us some time. Really, really appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I'm super excited for for to do the show, and I'm super excited to be fighting. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're excited to see you uh, back in action. We thought I, I thought I was getting excited, Amanda, because I thought this fight was going to be down here in Miami. I, you know, you guys, we were like in the rumors that week before before you guys settled on Tampa. Like, did you hear uh, how close it might have been to Miami, or do you just find out? Ah, oh, it's Tampa. I got to go to Tampa. Yeah, no, I just found out. Oh, I'm going to Tampa today for the press conference. <laughs> I guess the fight is going to be in Tampa. How was uh, how was that experience? It looked cool. You guys got like the uh, the lightning jerseys at Emily Arena. How was that whole experience for yeah. the uh, the launch of the fight? It was amazing, and to be in presence in, in the home of the champions, it was really really cool. I was like, oh my god, I fit in. <laughs> <laughs> I was, well, we we have a little bit of bad blood with them uh, with the Florida Panthers okay. down there. Panthers and Panthers and Lightning are are bitter rivals, uh, Amanda. So. Oh. Well, Sorry, I have no idea. <laughs> it's okay. It's listen. You know about rivalries. You know about that. It's part of sports. That's what makes it fun. That's, yeah, I'm a New Yorker. I mean, we have that with the Mets and the Yankees and the Jets and the Giants. I mean, right now I don't know who's the worst one because they're all bad. <laughs> um, how did you, how, Amanda? So this this partnership with Jake Paul. How did this come to be? I know you've been on his cards before, but like. How did you guys meet, and then when did it dive into you wanted to, you know, become, a, you know, boxing partners with him? Well, the the first time we met was when he was making his debut in Miami. Um, I, I met him, and I knew of him because of my nephews. You know, they, they're big fans of Jake and Logan Paul, and I told them where I'm fighting, and they tell me, oh, my God, Titi, you're fighting on the Jake Paul's car. I was like, oh, really, I'm fighting? on Because they were like, I told them I'm fighting, and they said, no, you're fighting under Jake Paul. I was like, okay. <laughs> so when I met them, I was excited to meet them for, for my nephews and, and my niece. So uh, that's how we met. And then um, I was um, offered to fight on, on the card of the last fight. It was on Showtime, and I said, my God, why not? It's a great platform to showcase women boxing. I know he brings in a lot of viewership, a lot of um into like entertainment so i said yeah I, I, I would love to do that and after that fight um but during the whole fight fight camp we became like really good friends and and it was amazing to to see how and to feel how you know how welcoming him and his team was and after the fight they called us and said oh how would you like to be a part of mvp mvp promotions i was like oh my god why not and that's how it started that's really really cool. I actually remember I remember that car. That was down at uh, it was like that little uh area during Super Bowl week. I remember uh, that yes, that exactly that debut was it was uh nobody was there by the end of it to watch a uh, Demetrius Andre box because everybody was there oh. to see Jake Paul. Oh my god! You see, I didn't even was he he was the main event. Yes, he was. Oh my! You see, you see, I just I totally it totally flew off over my head yep. I thought it was Jake Paul <laughs> <laughs> no it was I remember it was like uh, I remember because I had talked to I talked to Jake that week on Radio Row he was actually there with Shane Mosley and it was like he was just getting into the boxing thing but I had talked to uh, to Andre the week of 
that card because it was his. Yeah, it was his event, but you wouldn't have known it by the crowd because everybody was there to see uh, Jake Paul. Oh. Um, it, so how from from your standpoint with uh, with this new partnership, have you noticed the the exposure? Like, are you getting what you want? I mean, your boxing resume is is nearly unparalleled like no you know the amount of divisions you've won champions uh, championships in and everything that you've accomplished uh that being all said have you noticed more people noticing you because of this uh of this partnership with this promotion oh yeah definitely it's it's so funny because the gym i go to right up the block there's a school and one day i was outside um i was doing a photo shoot and i had my belts and there was a whole bunch of teenagers coming they were i guess they were going to a park or something and they were like, oh, my God, that's Amanda Serrano. She's with Jake Paul. She signed with Jake Paul. And I was like, oh, my God, they know me because of Jake Paul. So I'm getting a lot of um, new uh, viewers. I got a lot, a lot of new followers on Instagram, on Twitter, and they're a lot uh, a younger a younger viewers. So, I mean, it's it's pretty cool. And then we have, you know, other people, uh, like other celebrities and other big athletes that are following me and they know who I am, which is super cool. You know, I've been fighting for so many years and I never like, felt like I've been acknowledged or been given what I deserve. And now we have Jake Paul, you know, hyping me up and, and just um, being behind me and with getting this. And, and it's pretty cool. Um, I wanted to get your uh, your input on this. We're down here in South Florida, and uh, we have a really really good bright young bro- boxing pro- uh, prospect that I've seen you uh, you know you you have a relationship with uh, as almost like oh. a younger brother in Xander Zayas. Yes. Oh um, my god, I love him. <laughs> he is. A, he. I mean, the kids. I mean, he's he's just he's such a good kid. I've I've loved I love speaking yes. with him and seeing how his career has blossomed. Yeah, his what family, you, his mom, his dad, stepdad, they amazing. What do you What do you think of of uh, of the start? I mean, start. He's already like got you know 10, 11 fights under his belt already, which is crazy. I remember talking to him when he's sixteen. But just how Xander, how his boxing career has already started off, and and what do you think of the potential that he's got down here? He has so much potential. This kid is he's so young. He's so talented and you can see as his fight goes on, like if he needs to change something, he's he's changing it fight after fight and he's you know, I, I love him and I'm super excited to see where he goes and I think he is the future for Puerto Rico. And now he's represent, representing Florida but he's just um amazing with amazing family and amazing um people backing him up. So I'm I'm excited to see him. Can you uh, can you explain the passion for those who don't know? Uh, just the passion Puerto Rico has for boxing, like the the way that they get behind their own is is really something special. It's it's crazy. I mean, you know, I there was a time where me and my sister we were the only champions out of Puerto Rico, and they gave us so much love and, and respect. Even that, even if we were, were women, you know. Boxing is like their pride and joy. They're like, we don't care. We we need somebody to to represent us. And I don't know. It's just we go out there and we put it all on the line. And I guess that's why they appreciate us and they love us. And no matter what, they're always backing us up. Well, listen, we can't wait to see you back in action December 18th on Showtime Pay-Per-View, taking on Miriam Gutierrez. Uh, it's going to be uh, the Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury in the main event. you got Frank Gore, Miami Hurricanes legends on the card, taking on Darren Williams. So it's a, it's a fun card. It's definitely a little bit different, but uh, is, is really, I think, as you've heard from Amanda, bringing a, a, a new eye to the sport. And uh, thank you for spending time with us, Amanda. Really, really appreciate it. 
No, thank you so much. And I'm super, I'm more excited for the, the main event than my own fight because that fight is going to be great. <laughs> Appreciate the time, Amanda. Thank event. you. No problem. Have a good one. Thanks to Amanda for the time. Really, really appreciate it. Also, this week, got a chance to speak with Andre Ward uh, on the morning show. I wanted to bring you just a couple excerpts from that, and that uh, particularly the stuff that he has to say on Canelo. Canelo in the news this week, and Andre Ward, interesting enough, you know, a lot of people think that Andre Ward is this like anti Canelo agenda. And, you know, me personally, you know, people are talking about what are the big fights out there for Canelo. I mean, if he's going to move up and wait, one guy I would love to see him fight is uh, is Andre Ward. I'm not going to mince words. Like Andre Ward, I brought this up to Leroy, is younger than Triple G. Everybody talks about, you know, all these pundits that are out there. They want to say, oh, I want to see him fight Triple G. Andre Ward's younger than Triple G. He's younger than Triple G by a couple of years. And I know that he's been out of the, the ring for about four years now. But and I don't think that he is going to come out because I don't think Canelo is going to call him out. But. Um, in my mind, I think that's one of the best fights out there. I think that that's, uh, I think it's a big fight. I think it, uh, it would get people, uh, amped up because Canelo would be fighting a, a much more credible, big opponent. Um, Andre Ward talked a lot about, you know, this idea of moving up to heavyweight before he shut down his career. So just to give you a little bit of an excerpt from, uh, from our interview with Andre Ward, our conversation in regards to, uh, Canelo Alvarez moving up and, uh, would he ever fight him? Uh, Andre Ward, you made one of the news this week that Canelo Alvarez is moving up uh, yet again. It seems to cruiserweight. Mm-hmm. You uh, you cleaned out many divisions. It was I remember before you retired that you even hinted maybe you were going to go to heavyweight. This idea of going up uh, even bigger for Canelo. Do you like this idea? Are, are you uh, are you into this next uh, phase of his career? He seems he's go- to be going to. Man, I keep getting put in these tough predicaments with Canelo, man. And, and, and people, they, they keep wanting to pit me against Canelo like I have a dislike for him, and I really don't, you know. Um, but when you start talking about a fighter being an all-time great and all everything, I'm a boxing mind. I'm not a fan, right? So I'm going to go and I'm going to dig and I'm going to do my research. I already know the history, but I'm going to go just to make sure I got it right. Well, who did he fight? Okay, he fought this name. That's a pretty big name. Well, where was that name at when he fought him? Man, that guy was a little past his prime. Okay, let me see. Let me move up the list a little bit. And when, man, he waited until this dude had already been knocked out twice, and then he fought this. That it's a lot of that in Canelo's on Canelo's resume, right? When he fought Golovkin, Golovkin started chasing him. He didn't really want to fight Golovkin. He was real, real mom on fighting him. Mean, he was real slow. Golovkin had to come and, and invade his post-fight interview and sort of like you know call out his manhood for him to say, hey, you know, I'll fight you. You know, Mexicans don't. You know, we don't run from anything. And he kind of. He kind of got Canelo to that point, and then they eventually had the fights that they had. So I say all that to say Canelo is a good talent. We just don't quite know how good he is because throughout the course of his career, he wasn't always calling out the best guys. Now to the cruiserweight thing. This is tricky. Great feet. It's dangerous no matter what cruiserweight you're fighting, but if you pick the right guy, you know, job well done. So when I look at the guy he's calling out, and I haven't done extensive research on him, He's a big guy. He can punch, but you see a lot of flaws. You see a lot of flaws. You see you see a guy that's going to take a lot of punishment, and if Canelo is on point, he shouldn't have any problems with that guy at Cruiserweight. You've, uh... Why do guys move up? Because, look, one of my favorite boxers of all time is Roy Jones Jr., right? And he moved up at the best possible time to move up to heavyweight, right? But then it, when he won the championship at heavyweight, it was never the same, and and people don't appreciate what Roy Jones did in his division. And I know for him, it was because it was hard to find people to fight. Yeah. 
right? But with Canelo, he is the draw. So he could fight a tomato can. People going to show up. Why move up? That's the well, he's moving up because he wants to make he wants to make history. He wants to when he when people look back at his career, he wants people to say he went to five divisions, six divisions. Okay. And just even the reaction he got just from saying that he wanted to fight this guy, you know, he's in the news for a day or two. So it's getting the reaction that they want. Okay. And and even though this guy isn't like the best cruiserweight in the world, you still got to respect if Canelo's able to go up and wait and pull that off. There's still something to be said about that. But just back to your original question, people move up for multiple reasons. Sometimes it's the money. Sometimes it's to prove that they can. And hey, I'm not just, you know, that was sort of the knock on me for a while. I was at 168. Oh, you've only been in one division. Okay, y'all want to move the goalpost. So let me go up a little bit. I've always wanted to be a multi-divisional champion. So let me go ahead and do it. So there's multiple reasons why guys move up. Sometimes they eat themselves or grow themselves out of a weight class. Many reasons why guys go go up. But the primary reasons are for history, to prove greatness so I can be a multi-divisional champion. Mm-hmm. And, and the money's bigger. The higher you go, the bigger the bigger bag you get. Before we get you out of here, Andrea, like you said, you've always said you're very happy in retirement. But what do you make of like this whole you versus Canelo thing? Like people put it on social media. Mm-hmm. Maybe do it, Andre Ward versus Canelo. Could that draw you out of retirement? Like, how do you react to people who, who are all of a sudden interested in something like that? Because you know it would be like a monster payday and everybody would be yeah. super into it. He's, like, he's smiling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling for a lot of reasons. I, I'll just start by saying, what do I feel about it? I, I think, it's, I think it's, it's a mixed bag. You know, on one hand, it's, it's true fans and true supporters that are like, dude, we want to see you back. Why not fight this guy? On the other hand, it, it's it's manufactured. There was no talk of me fighting Canelo when I was active. When you was fighting, when I, yeah. When I when I when I won my last fight against Sergey Kovalev, that would have been a great time to mention my name. Nobody, right. he, he he never said my name as far as mm-hmm. I'm as, as far as I know throughout my whole 13 year career. But then he goes and fights a common opponent, and I'm waiting to see. Okay, is he gonna say my name? It's it's some you know some synergy here. It's a situation where we both got the same guy. Oh, I'm going to talk to my team and see what happens. So that was the only time that I was ever remotely interested to see if he said my name. But beyond that, um, it, it's it's not, it's not, it's no rivalry. We have no history and it's taking everything in my power to stick to my word <laughs> and to stay focused on the plan, which is to retire, stay retired, create a different ne- narrative and legacy for the guys coming behind me, man, and to build some different things, man. And I am, I mean, I can't give away too much cause it's not done yet, but I'm, but I'm, I'm very close to signing a deal for my documentary as well as my book. So I'm trying to put my focus, my energy, my competitiveness, my drive in other areas, man. I'm trying, on, I'm Dre. trying. but Dre. they keep trying to, they keep trying Somebody to say the, back, Somebody say the wrong thing. Somebody say the wrong thing. If somebody say the wrong thing, Hey, I'm, I'm trying, man. I'm trying to stay on social media so much. You know, I'm, try, I'm just trying to stay focused because every time I turn around, they say my name. <laughs> Thanks again to the soldier God himself, Andre Ward, for joining the program. SOG, one of our favorites. Uh, if you guys missed any of that, you want the whole conversation. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about some Warriors basketball. We talked about Frank Gore boxing, all that type of stuff. Uh, you guys can get that now on the TicketMiami.com. The entire interview is up there for your consumption. That's our show this week, everybody. Take care. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.